is Service Headline News. I'm your host, Marty Smith, and I'm joined by Mr. History, Eric Perot. What's up, Marty? I'm just laying on the beach. I see that. You're having a good time. And we're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So take your seats, get informed, and have a laugh as the Swearing In Podcast presents Service Headline News. All right. Good to be back. It is good to be back. We're missing our man in the closet because uh, he had his head up his ass and didn't realize that he wasn't going to be done with whatever he's doing before we had time to do this podcast. So we still uh, love you, Jake. Still love you. We do, but Jake, suck it. So <laughs> you left me alone here with Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Laying on the beach. Yeah. Laying on the beach. <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's kick this off. Eric, what do you got for Dayton history? Dude, I have something that you are uh-huh. going to like because uh-huh. you know why? why? It's U.S. military. U.S. Well, that's the charge. So that's why you know, I thought you liked it. You know, and I think I, I might have, I think I might have got it right this time. And watching football, football was tough for me this weekend because Ooh, man. Uh, my Colorado Buffaloes got blown out, and then my Broncos got historically blown out. But my uh, friend, that was ugly, hard well, to watch. I, I, yes, I know. I, I realize that. Uh, at least Tampa Bay lost, so you can't come in, you know, <laughs> spewing a bunch of shit. But no, that's true. They um, got smoked. You know, I see these guys celebrate everything, every good play they do. Right. Oh yeah, it's you know, the guy. The guy who makes a tackle, you know, a couple of yards behind the line of scrimmage, and he's up, and he's doing all this shit. And I was like, "That's what we pay you to do." Yeah, the perfect example is Jamar Chase in Cincinnati. Every ball he caught last night, because you know it was a doubleheader on Monday. Right, 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 right. Every ball he caught from Joe Burrow's, he'd stand up, he'd flex, he'd point, he'd dance, and I'm like, "That's your job." That's about the way you already dropped too. Right. That's like if, uh, you know, I finished my logbook entry, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what like, I did. Hey, dude, yeah. that's what you're getting paid to do. Knock it off. <laughs> right? I, you know, I, I, I'm okay with, you know, a touchdown celebration, but yeah, not, sure. not everything is a touchdown. Not everything needs to be freaking. No, I know. And not everything needs crazy. to be a medium moment. So, yeah. Agreed. Anyway, so. Right. Getting back to that, that was like, well, that's what you're paid to do if you were paid. <laughs> Let me introduce you to September 26, 1918. Oh. Yeah, how about that, huh? Okay. After 150 years, the Americans have arrived to repay their debt to France for their aid in the revolution. Oh, shit. That's a good point. Yeah. On this date, General John Pershing. America's expedition force leader launches its greatest campaign of World War I in the area of the Meuse River and the Argonne Forest. The result is the bloodiest, longest, and largest battle in American history, one that will only end when the armistice on November 11th is signed. Whoa, he went from September 26th to November 11th? Yep. That's how long that battle lasted, and it kicked off on September 26th. God yep. bless. It was never a foregone conclusion that the United States would send ground troops to Europe, even after we entered the First World War. Many of the congressmen who voted to declare war in Germany in 1917 did so under the impression that the war would consist of 
one, naval warfare against the U-boats in the Atlantic, and two, material and financial support, not arms and men. Huh. Wow. President Woodrow Wilson was determined to prove everybody wrong. The commitment of American troops to a European war was a very controversial decision in 1917. But Bill Wilson believed that he needed boots on the ground if he wanted to, to uh, wanted any say in the future peace deal. The idealistic, high-minded, arrogant Wilson believed that the United States had a right and a duty to be involved in the aftermath of the Great War and intended to make sure he could not be denied a seat at the table. American troops would go overseas. So this, uh, the Argonne-Muse-Argonne Forest War, or battle, uh, was the final push to beat the Germans, and it did in November uh, of the signing of the armistice. So this wow. was a huge, huge battle. That's pretty cool. I wanted to give you a few numbers before we move on. Yeah. Um, no blueprint existed for mass mobilization or for a major ground war. The army would expand from 133,000 active duty and 185,000 national guardsmen to almost 4.7 million men over oh, the course. Oh, really? Right. Over the course of 19 months. And this rapid growth would come with growing pains. So I was looking for the loss, um, and nobody has exact numbers on the loss. Wow. Wow. I, I did yeah. have one. The Americans would train and fight on French FT-17 tanks, and with the first training group commanded by who? Captain George S. Patton. So Patton no way. Yeah, I had to bring him into the battle. Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a cavalry guy, but I guess that would be an easy transition over to the tanks. So, so. Yeah. Yeah, he commanded this group after they learned how to drive those damn things. Wow. The French tanks, right? Yeah. So September 26, the start of the last big battle in uh World War One. What was the first French tank? Or what was the first tank? The FT-17 tank. Oh, you're talking the very first <laughs> little Willie. <laughs> it was your it was your history. Yeah, yeah, little Willie, man. Little, little Willie. Willie. <laughs> wow. It's That's good, a good one, man. Fighting. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, that was a that was a hell of a battle, man. Yeah. Uh okay, thanks, Eric. Now on to the news. Um, we usually try to do news between the services, right? I try. You know, sometimes sometimes it's a you little spread the wealth, man. Yeah, it's a little barren out there. So today, it's all Space Force and Air Force, which I know you'd love. Mm -hmm. That's why I wore my shirt. Born to kill Space Force. Right? Yeah, baby. I was all about the born to kill thing, and you are going to show me a peace sign, and then you did <laughs> Space Force. That's going to be on the. That's going to be on the astronaut helmet. So. Where'd you pick that shirt up? <laughs> I don't know. It was, I don't know where I got it. Uh, it's one of those grunt style shirts. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, so Sempra Supra uh -oh. and aim high fly fight win to all of you listening for today. Right. Yeah. All right. This first, uh, th this first story is kind of cool. Uh, it's from the Washington post. Uh, the space force looks to accelerate space launches. Right. Now here's a little background in 2018, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, better known as DARPA, DARPA. Uh, challenged the space industry to do what it said no one has done before, 
which is launch satellites to orbit on extremely short notice in an attempt to make rockets fly as frequently as airplanes. Wow. So in, two, in 2018, they launched that. Two years later, DARPA pronounced the effort a failure. <laughs> <laughs> well, now there's a surprise. I know. Not a single company had been able to meet DARPA's quick turnaround requirements. Another sign of the difficulties of rocketry and just how far it is from becoming the routine service the Pentagon has long wanted it to be. But all that changed all that changed a couple of weeks ago. So on Thursday, September 15th, an Alpha rocket was launched from Vandenberg Space Force Base by the startup company Firefly Aerospace as part of a responsive space mission called Victus Knox. It's actually a pretty cool name. Translated from the Latin, Victus Knox means conquer the night. I like it. That's cool. I know. I do. Yeah. They've had a lot of dumb ones, but that one's actually yeah, That's cool. not quite as cheesy as something right. fast. Right. <laughs> uh, Firefly's nearly 100-foot-tall Alpha rocket carried a satellite manufactured by Millennium Space Systems, which is a Boeing subsidiary uh, that is designed to track objects in orbit. Firefly Aerospace out of Texas launched 27 hours after receiving launch orders. Wow. Space Force called it a new record for responsive space launch. So uh, being able to get spacecraft to orbit quickly is an important capability, Pentagon leaders have said, and something that the Defense Department has been pushing for decades. Who, well, who are the two organizations that had been launching to um, the low orbit, not pressing into space? You know, they were taking celebrities up. And- well, SpaceX was... SpaceX. SpaceX was, there was doing one other, wasn't some it? of those, and I can't remember. God bless. If, if Jake was here, he'd remember. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember who the other one is. It's blue something, right? Wasn't it blue? Uh, you might be right. But that's, blue. you know, that was when uh, they kind of outsourced that shit like 10 years ago or whatever it was. Right. Um, so I think it's been kind of hit or miss with those guys, but at least uh, the... The military is like, well, you know, we're just, it's not all our money, not like we lost it before, right? So um, that's why they kind of pushed it down. But this is a mm. new one, Firefly Aerospace. I've never even heard of these guys. So, Nor I. Yeah, that's unusual. Um, as space uh, increasingly becomes a warfighter domain, rapid response is even more important. Military leaders have said, and the Pentagon is renewing its push to develop rockets and satellites that can be launched into space. Fast. Well, fast, sort of fast. Blue Um, Origin, by the way. Blue Origin. Blue Origin. Yeah, very good. Very good. Uh, Launching on short notice would allow the Pentagon to say, send up a satellite that can investigate adversary spacecraft. Eh, I don't know about that one. Um, (laughs) Especially those getting suspiciously close to U.S. military satellites. Okay, I got that because there's a lot of, you know, there's the killer satellites that are designed to go up and either explode or they they send shrapnel out or i mean it it is kind of cool when you go into some of that um uh research that the ideas they're thinking of i mean they even have sort of like robots that are grab onto the satellite and f it up right i'm amazed because of the space debris that's in that orbit and sometimes i don't even know how they find these things base i mean it's setting off a signal is it right 
but we're you gonna know, walk I, up and find it or there's a really crazy. there used to be a really cool website I don't to know show you the it. space junk yeah have you seen that orbiting yeah yeah it's fantastic it's it's fascinating so isn't it? crowded up there it's yeah tough. half of, half of that so stuff is all like old soviet stuff because they didn't yeah. burn it in they just like ah, we'll just leave it up here forever let it float yeah, crazy. <laughs> well, and then uh, and then when China did that, what? Oh God, that would have to be. Maybe that was ten years ago, when they blew up like their own satellite, oh, but yeah. they left all that debris up there. And you know, a BB going at nineteen thousand miles an hour. Well, that can Not still screw so you up. Much a BB, it's a bullet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's essentially a bullet. So, and that's also another tactic, right? So they're saying, oh, we can't, we don't necessarily need to hit this satellite pinpoint, but we can put up a whole debris field that we know that satellite's going to orbit through. Right. Yeah. I think I think if the balloon goes up on World War Three, all those assets are gone, right? At least all both ours and China's capabilities right now. It's like we can't maneuver. You knocked that capability down and now we're back on Earth fighting a, you know. Yeah. Same turn, thing Russia and Ukraine's doing right now. Turn GPS off. Yeah. Right? I yep. just just turn it off now. It'd be like, yeah, people driving off cliffs and stuff. Nowhere, like, hey, where my maps that. isn't working. Because <laughs> right? nobody can use a map of compass anymore. Right. Not even, yeah. Here's right. a sneaky thing. Here's some trivia for you. You know what the most important thing that GPS provides right now? Let me get a clue. Timing. Hmm. Because like if banks, to give you an example, if banks are off on their timing, a lot of transactions won't go through. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because they basically keep that universal clock and they bounce it all the way through the constellation. Well, so then everybody, all the way everybody the around the world right, has the right time on their phone, banking every other transaction that requires a time. A time I, that, that makes sense because, yeah. like I said, infrastructure, lights, night, day. Right, 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 right. Controlling all that. So in the first phase of the program, Space Force gave Millennium, who made the uh, satellite, 60 hours to transport the satellite to the launch site, fuel it, and prepare it to be made it to the rocket. 60 hours, man. That's not much. That's nothing. Then Firefly had 24 hours to update the rocket's trajectory and guidance software and prepare the rocket to launch the satellite. As it turned out, the launch window required to put the satellite in the correct orbit came at 27 hours but the company was ready to go at 24 so that's amazing that beat the previous responsive launch record of 21 days which happened in 2021 so i remember as a member of um the air force space command ig team oh, yeah. we were responsible for going out to vandenberg during operational readiness inspections and if they had a launch we got to evaluate that well i remember I don't know, probably two and three years. Each time there was a rocket on the pad, yeah, and it was supposed to go, and it wouldn't go. You know, <laughs> something mechanical, something whatever broke down every time we were supposed yeah. to see it on. I think I seen one my entire four years I was with the IG. Come um, out of Vandenberg. Well, and if you're on the ground watching a launch in Vandenberg, early morning lunch. No, nope, this was an afternoon because you know oh. where I went. I was on the beach. We went over to uh, right outside of Patrick to watch Is it. it. Bells, not bells. There's a. Uh, oh, you were outside of Patrick. On oh, the beach okay. to okay. see it. 
Now we had already been to the pad. We got I actually got to tour one of the uh, uh, one of the ships, Discovery. I got pictures of me sticking my head into the cockpit of that thing. Really? Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty I, cool. Yeah, it was fun. Well, it was funny. Anybody who knows who's gone out there to watch an early morning launch at Vandenberg, you see it for about five seconds, and then it goes into the clouds. Yeah, because it's, it's that, always cloudy. That ocean like, haze coming in. And yeah, I remember my first one when I first went out there. I was like, "Oh wow, see a rocket launch in person!" And it, just, and it launches, and you're like, "Oh, uh, it's gone." That's it. <laughs> <See nothing. laughs> Isn't that amazing too? Because you remember back in the '60s when we launched those, and the damn thing looked like you could see it for miles on well, TV. Sure. Well, the shuttle used it's to be still that going. Way. Yeah, yeah, the shuttle used to be that way, right? Because yeah. they would launch out of Florida. You know, central coast of California in the morning, it's always sucked. Always, it's yeah. always socked in, right? Yeah. Anyway, so that's cool. That's 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 a big thing. Uh, and I remember, um, remember, did you ever see the movie The Martian? Oh, yeah, with, uh, yeah. With Matt Damon, right? It gets stranded on Mars and shit. Right, right, right. But they tried to hurry and launch that resupply rocket. You know, that's and, a good example. Uh, and the supplies they had on there. Well, he asked that question in the movie. He was like, All right, how long does it take you to inspect this rocket? He was like, uh, you know, 21 days. He's like, How long yeah. <laughs> can we how hours. much how much can we cut off of that and it still be okay? Right. <laughs> so uh and, and obviously it was a much more complicated mission and um a resupply mission is is there's a lot more unknown than there is for a mated satellite where you know the dimensions, you know the weight, yeah. you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's pretty cool from the weeks and weeks and weeks of checks and double checks and all that other stuff. So and failures, multiple failures. And constantly. failures. And yeah. and maybe it's because they use these civilian companies that mm -hmm. the government is more willing to take risks. Sure. You know, because that, uh, how long was it after Columbia? Was it Columbia that blew up? Yeah, I think it was Columbia. Well, there's two of them, right? Columbia and what's uh? So you're about the one in 85? Yeah, what's it? Yeah, Challenger. Challenger, right? yes. I mean, it took us a year or something like that to yeah. to figure that one out. So, uh, but that's- Well, like anything, that was the whole, we're going to shut the program completely down until we figure out what we did right. wrong. Right, 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 yeah. and that's so. And that's the typical- government yeah. response so maybe uh the civilians can do it better probably can do it better oh, i think so you've got the big brains out there your phds i mean yeah. my company alone I, I mean it's designed to take on the government's biggest problems and, and provide answers and solutions oh really yeah. yeah yeah and you got and you don't have all that bureaucracy and red tape to go through that's right Yes, sir. We'll get you an answer. <laughs> right. It's like, no, this is it. I was like, well, wait a minute. We got 15 <laughs> other guys in the room who have different agendas who don't want to release that answer yet. Right. And that's yeah. why it takes forever. So anyway, Space Force is uh, at least uh, advancing some of that stuff about uh, response time into space. Well, as I said, it's that's good cool. that they are doing something because I wasn't sure what they were doing. 
No. We're born to kill, Eric. Yes, born you're to kill. born to kill. With your Star Trek rank and uniform, it uh, makes my head hurt. What do you mean me? I'm, I was out before Space Force. You started. are an alumni, as I recall. So I have uh, you to blame. That's, you are that's an alumni. Legacy Guardian. Thank you very much. Alumni. I'm a legacy guardian. All right, Sounds cooler than what it is. <laughs> I know it does. I know it does. I hate calling them guardians, but oh, I hate it less than I did a couple of years ago when I first heard it. Okay, and uh, there was and there was a story. I almost did it. That uh, I guess you know those those dress uniforms for Space Force with the slanted buttons. Uh, I guess that's not all out to the force yet. There's they're still fit testing it. And so they should, because some of that shit is so ridiculous. True. I'm t- they should have just come up with some kind of dress, uh, uh, like flight suit thing. Yeah. Now, I will give them what we talked about last week with Jake, and we talked about how fast the service came to be. So there's still a lot to, to develop. I get that. So I, I guess I should back off a little bit. But Well, uh, it's it's the way they're going about it. You know, yeah, and I mean, and I know they're rushing it, but what's a rush? You know, take your time, right? Um, I mean, even though they transferred all those kind of operators and stuff over to Space Force, all the support functions still come from the Air Force. That's true. Yeah. So you go to, uh, you know, personnel, that's Air Force personnel managing Space Force people. Yeah. Doing the same thing Space Force or Air Force did. Correct. Or does. Right, right. All right. So they'll get there. Maybe. Maybe. We'll be <laughs> gone. I'm good. We'll still be covering them here. <laughs> so, all right, let's get to some Air Force news. Right on. This is really, this was really cool. Now, maybe a little complicated, but I tried to dumb it down uh, as much as I could. For me uh, or the audience? <laughs> uh, for Jake, because Jake okay. never reads any of these things. So uh, <laughs> But this is from Sandbox.us. So America's new approach to warfare or air warfare. So now this is nothing official. This is what they're proposing. Uh, let me so get this, this. This isn't taking place yet. This is a proposal. no. This is where they want to go. So it's almost like an opinion okay. piece, but it's kind of uh, these are what people are thinking of up at the top of the Air Force. So it's it's pretty interesting. Um, in a not too distant future, the face of American air power will dramatically shift away from a relatively few highly capable and crude platforms and toward an overwhelming avalanche of unmanned systems ranging from single use munitions all the way to multi-million dollar multi-role unmanned combat aerial vehicles or UCAVs. Right. So I think basically To sum that up a little bit, I think the last 30, 40 years, what we've relied on is let's put all the tech into an F-15E and it's going to be able to shoot, you know, five MIGs before it ever gets threatened, right? So, and I think we went the tech route, which is interesting, isn't it? Fascinating though. Well, I I think think that's obvious from all the the articles we've done on tech. Right, right, right. right, right. I mean, that certainly makes sense. But if you go back to World War II, we were nowhere near the cutting edge of tech. Oh, no. But Germany was. because Germany was, right? Yeah. 
But because we had supply side that no other country could match, we pushed, you know, 10 Shermans out for every one uh, Panzer. Yeah, Panzer. Yeah, for you know, sure. That kind of thing, right? We pushed, uh, uh, you know, 10 Corsairs out for every one Japanese Zero, whatever it was. Yeah. So we kind of overwhelmed them with supply. Production. And yeah. then we went tech. And we're like, okay, this F-15E is going to be able to shoot down, you know, 10 MiGs before it even gets touched. And yeah. for a while there, it was true. So Going into Vietnam initially, it was. Right. But this article has a couple good quotes in it that will counter that notion. Mm. And you know what? I'm kind of on board with it a little bit. So. Okay. With new initiatives underway within the Pentagon to rapidly field thousands of drones, the United States is now looking to return to the World War II methodology of peace through superior numbers. How about that? Well, I mean, look, you know, China's not producing cutting-edge stuff, right? Numbers. We don't go, oh, that Chinese fighter is the no, best. Just fighter. numbers. We go, oh, those hundred Chinese fighters. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just a big number. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a point. big number. So it's basically the old Soviet technique. Yeah, that's how the Soviets beat back the Nazis coming in because they can the make numbers. that. What was it? A T thirty? Uh, I think it was like a T thirty tank, something like that. I'm only familiar if I'm wrong. T uh No, it wasn't that high. Not in World War Two. They were throwing those, back. but they were throwing those tanks out because they were easy to make. They were cheap. And the Nazis were running out and they're like, well, we yeah. can't, they keep coming at us with a hundred and we're can't down hang. to 10. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, back to the article it says in order to do so, American defense officials are aiming to push the boundaries of what we've commonly seen as science fiction, turning over vast portions of the warfighting enterprise to rapidly advancing and often AI enabled robots. Oh, there we go. So I think we talked about that a couple of months ago about uh, yep. them like making AI powered wingmen. Yeah. Right. So guys would launch up an F twenty two, and he's got robots on on both sides, protecting his side. Yeah. 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 Uh, earlier this month, Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks announced the Pentagon's Replicator Initiative. That sounds badass, doesn't it? Finally, a name that sounds just as cool yeah, as yeah, the other yeah. one. Yeah, that's cool. Victus shit. Knox. This is the Replicator Knox. Initiative, which aims to feel, but this is, this is, just listen to this and you'll be like, bullshit, bullshit. You just start saying that in your head, right? <laughs> so, Replicator Initiative, which aims to field multiple thousands of low cost drones operating in air, land, and sea within the next two years, but remarkably without requesting any additional funding. Bullshit. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Instead of seeing this as a new program, Replicator might be better thought of as a new philosophy, steering the priorities of new acquisition efforts toward what the U.S. Air Force has long called affordable mass. Have you heard it ever called affordable mass? I've never heard that called. I've never decided. Me neither. That must be think tank people up there. It has to be. I've never heard something called affordable mass. Despite hmm. America's massive defense expenditures, the number of warships, fighter planes, and similar platforms in the U.S. arsenal has been steadily decreasing for decades now. 
This has come in large part thanks to rapid advances in a variety of technologies that allow fewer platforms to fill multiple roles. So they gave an example of uh, like the Prowler, you know, that EA6 something Prowler that yep. the Navy mm -hmm. uses. They have that now mounted on basically an F-A-18. Oh, okay. So somehow it's going up. It's it's not an F-18, but it's like the same chassis or whatever it is right. that's going up. So they're using it for multiple roles. America's multi-role approach to air warfare has allowed it to focus on fielding some of the most advanced and broadly capable tactical aircraft ever to take to the skies, each equipped to fly a multitude of missions depending on operational requirements. There's no denying this has been an extremely cost-effective approach to power projection throughout the asymmetric conflicts of recent decades, but in a high-end fight, it creates problems. <laughs> no matter how multi-role your aircraft is, it can still only be in one place at one time. Yeah. Right? No shit. And with fewer <laughs> platforms than ever, losing a single modern fighter represents a much more significant loss than in past eras. Yeah. Cost, cost. Yeah. You load all that shit into one plane and that plane goes down like that F-35 that just went down. Yeah. Well, and now your bad guys have a potential of getting all your secrets. Well, to, that to, too. To right? mitigate all that shit. Yeah. But if you're only building a handful of F-35s and one of them goes down, you are a significant loss. Oh, no doubt. Right. So here's part, and here's also part of the problem. Build to get this. Building a single F-35 requires a jaw-dropping 60,000 combined man-hours. Wow. 60,000. Conversely, oh, it was reported during World War II that an F-4U Corsair uh, could be built in 12,000 man-hours. <laughs> right? Yeah, but it, it had, I mean, in all fairness, it didn't have all the electronics. It didn't Avionics, have all the right? right, yeah. Uh, by the end of World War II, the United States was operating nearly three. This is fascinating. By the end of World War II, the United States was operating nearly 300,000 military aircraft of all sorts. That number has dwindled to fewer than 14,000. Wow. 300,000 to 14. <laughs> wow. We're ready. We're ready, China. We're going to do wow. it with our 14,000 planes. Yeah, and I think we just told you. Oh, a little short. We only got 14,000. Yeah, we yeah, gave a bunch to Ukraine, too. So <laughs> maybe that's down to 13,500. <laughs> Can we have our F-16s back, please? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> God, remember that a year ago when they're like, F-16s, ball? No way. No way we're not doing that. Yep. And now we're like, here you go. We'll train you up in a couple of weeks. I read, I, I read across that article. They're like, we're starting to train Ukrainians to fly F-16s. How fast can that be? Well, I How would fast assume, is it to learn to fly an F-16? Well, I mean, there's got to be comparable airframes. Where? Think, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. It's not like Ukraine's been flying. I don't think they've either all been shot down and they wouldn't be hand out going, hey, you guys got some F-16s we could borrow from you know, like, what was the guy flying that did get shot down? So some super pilot they said that was over there. That was a myth. Oh, so I thought there was an actual guy that got shot down. Right? Oh, that, was uh, that did have some kills. What was his name? Like Juice or something like that? Yeah, it was just <laughs> he recently. He had some kills. Yeah. Yeah, it was just recently. I don't know what he was flying. Mm. Had to be some kind of big, I'm sure. I am sure you could look it up, but uh, yeah. yeah, that guy just got shot down a few weeks ago or something like that. Mm. Not the uh 
who was it? Who was it at the beginning? The ghost of Ukraine or whatever. Right. That, that, was, the big deal, that yeah. was the myth, right? <laughs> I think the Super guy's guy. name is Juice or something like that. So well, we'll have to research that one. Jake, look that up. Oh, that's right. Jake's not here. <laughs> Jake flaked on us. Flake, flake wall. That's what I'm gonna call. It. Blake Wall. Uh, plus, he doesn't listen to it anyway, so he won't know I'm calling him all these names. So. <laughs> uh, the solution the Pentagon has assessed is combining even more modern and advanced platforms with a large volume of cheaper, more specialized drones that can be lost and replaced without overwhelming American budgets or production infrastructure. Hmm. The Air Force has been using the word attritable to describe platforms that are inexpensive, enough to accept high levels of risk in combat. Attritable. Attritable. Another a word that I never heard the Air Force use very often. No, that must be these guys are like, yeah, we'll throw in a bunch of those attritable planes. Does that mean you use that frequently? Does that mean you're losing them? It's like, yeah, yeah, we attrit them. So uh give you an example. This concept is embodied by platforms like the Kratos XQ58A Valkyrie which is a low-cost and low-observable UCAV that's capable of carrying a 600-pound payload while flying at high subsonic speeds at altitudes as high as 45,000 feet and it ranges as far as 3,000 nautical miles. That's a badass. That's a well, badass UCAV. That Valkyrie costs only slightly more than a single AGM-88G anti-radiation missile. Wow. Yeah. So it only it costs like six and a half million, which is still a lot. Now right? that's not a that's not a one time launch. It's not part of the missile. It can come home. Yes, after, it can come home. Okay. It can land. Right. Right. Unlike that F thirty five that didn't. <laughs> it <apparently> can't land. <laughs> right. Oh. Uh, so while much of the Defense Department's focus is now on low cost and reusable combat platforms, other efforts are focused on developing new methods of deploying existing munitions to reduce costs so that's part of that whole repurposing the a10 repurposing all these other planes right yeah uh and by effect of course i would once again mean volume so they want volume well this leads us into this other story uh from a website i just it every once in a while they have some good stories on there but a lot of it's just history stuff it's called we are the mighty.com so and Before you that, go into that, let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. I wonder if it's a probability of repurposing all the airframes that are sitting out in Arizona in uh, airplane grave. The graveyard? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, think of the frames that you could resuit. Pretty easy, I would think. Well, the frames are intact. So all the avionics and stuff have been pulled out, but you got frames. Yeah, you got you got homeless people camped in them, so you can't <laughs> yeah. you can't kick them out. So you can't use them. I was just wondering. I mean, that makes sense when we talk about mass and bringing in more and more. Sure, I agree. That with way, that. you're not recreating a wheel. You've already got a pretty well, sustainable. I don't understand when they're just like, "Yep, we're finally going to retire the A10, or we're finally going to retire the B52." It's like, right. why? It's done you its job. already got it. Just keep that son of a bitch flying. Upgrade its avionics, its engine. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, it's it's too it's not cost effective to keep it flying. And I was like, so we're just gonna dump another two hundred billion developing something else. Something new? Yeah. That makes no sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's right. probably why the F 16s hung around. That's probably why the C 130s still around. 
Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's there, definitely man. why the B-52 is still around. Yeah, that thing's been a workforce too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, and even on a smaller scale, did we really need to replace uh, the uh, M16 or A4 with the new Sig Sauer? No. Why? Does that increase our lethality? Or is that the military industrial complex going, hey, it's time for a new weapon? New weapon. It's like, hey, we're broke. Inflation's yeah. up. And they're like, ah, it's time for a new weapon. Because <laughs> right? the weapon systems work perfectly. For years yeah, and years were, and years. They work fine, right? Yeah, yeah. But we need something new, apparently. Mm. Anyway, so let's talk about this article, uh, We Are the Mighty. This is also part of their plan, too, right, uh, going forward. So this is also part of air strategy. Uh, the headline is, The Insane Plan to Turn C-130s into Glass Cannons. I'm not sure why they said glass cannons, because that was nowhere mentioned in the article, but Sounds cool. I know. Here's what it here's what they're doing. Uh give you a little background. America's C-130 aircraft originally rolled out as a quick stopgap cargo plane during the Korean War. I didn't know that. Korean. That's when it started. Yeah. Yeah, because I started. thought they were still using like C-47s and ah, that could have been yeah, low, old World War II stuff, right? Right. Uh the rush designed the the rush design of the C-130. Has now served seventy years already. It's like good, good design. It Why works. replace something that works? Right. Good. Uh, the Air Force keeps finding new ways to use it, from firefighting to flying radio stations to now a mega-capable platform for launching missiles. The Rapid Dragon concept, which is another <laughs> good name. That's our third good name in this one broadcast. Yep. That's great. Rapid Dragon. Uh, allow C-130s to carry six advanced missiles, basically cruise missiles. Um, they, The Air Force will almost certainly move forward with Rapid Dragon. It has passed all combat tests with flying colors, and the capability gives America and its allies is game-changing. Game-changing. That's should be, It should be war-changing. <laughs> it should be war-ending. That's what we want. Yeah, we're not calling it a game, baby. Uh, it allows any medium to large cargo aircraft to become a super effective cruise missile platform. Any crew trained in airdrops can, in theory, use the aircraft, and so the American fleet of strike-capable aircraft would suddenly surge by 250 aircraft. Okay, that, well, that's a dumb thing to say because you're not going to take every C-130 and C-17 and turn it into a cruise missile drop. Yeah. But what they're saying is they kind of load them on like six packs and racks, and they can they can push them on, and then they air shoot them, you know, and it pulls them out the back. I'll show you a video here in a second. It's really really. It's cool. almost like that engine runoff when you pull the pallet right out of yeah, the plane. Yeah, right, right, it right. It's right like air deployed. On. Yeah. Um, so the Air Force testing has been done with the joint. I hate this. I hate this acronym, or this uh, uh, acronym. The joint. Air-to-surface standoff missile extended range cruise missile, or the JASM. <laughs> what does that sound like to you? I'm not gonna say. It sounds like JISM. <laughs> you said it. I wasn't <laughs> gonna say it. No. <laughs> uh, the AGM 158B JASM extended range can deliver a thousand-pound warhead up to 575 miles away. While the longer range 158B2 has a warhead weighing 2,000 pounds, 
with a range of 1,200 miles. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty badass, right? Why couldn't we call that freaking the Red Dragon or the Rapid Dragon? It's the Jasm, baby. Not the Jasm. Okay, watch this for a couple minutes. It might seem counterintuitive to fly massive radar-reflecting platforms like the C-130 Hercules or the C-17 Globemaster anywhere near contested airspace just to deploy munitions, but the promise behind Rapid Dragon isn't really to send these hulking airframes into harm's way. Instead, the effort leverages palletized standoff weapons, weapons like the AGM-158 Joint Air-to-Service Standoff Missile, five, or JASM, six. with ranges that can exceed <laughs> wow. a thousand miles. This will C-17 allow cargo can take aircraft nine. to deploy ordnance from well beyond the reach of enemy air defenses. And according an to the Air Force, it? it would allow them to saturate the like airspace with a large oh, okay. volume of low observable cruise missiles for Jasm. a relatively low cost and a pretty low risk. But the real value in Rapid Dragon may not be just inundating enemy airspace with weapons and drones. It may be hunting ships. The name Rapid Dragon is actually an homage to an ancient Chinese siege weapon that saw use around 950 AD called the Jilong Shu. I apologize if I pronounced that wrong, but it roughly translates to Rapid Dragon Carts. These weapons were effectively crossbow carts cool. that allowed a single yeah. user yeah, to pull crazy. one trigger to launch as many as 12 arrows all at once. And to quote the Air Force Research Laboratory, like its namesake, these palletized munitions promise to unleash mighty, mighty salvos salvo. in mass on distant <laughs> adversaries. Now, if you've done any See, reading about that's Rapid pretty Dragon, cool. See, you already out. Just know pull that. Out. Look at that. But what I find One, sort of ironic two, is that the Rapid three, Dragon weapon system may prove most valuable in a conflict against the that's, nation well, from that's which badass. it draws we're not, its we're very not name. A fight with You're China would inevitably this, be a cool. fight in the Pacific. Right. Thanks to right. low observable long-range munitions like the JASM family of cruise missiles, Holy Cargo <laughs> aircraft could saturate enemy airspace. What? How do you hide from take that? Thing? Yeah, fleets of enemy ships that's pretty badass. Using a cargo plane, right? and those are smart munitions, right? That can be guided. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Air defense. Absolutely. That's the underlying so cool. concept behind using America's Especially existing six, commercial and 500 miles away, to ferry a thousand miles or 1200 miles away for the advanced while, missile. But it saw a lot of interest and you in the would 1970s think in particular. That that C-17 would have some type of fighter escort, I bet. You know, if it's undisputed space where the space is, you know, you could have bad bad guys coming, I bet they're going to throw some fighters with it. Well, but the, those fighters got to go a long way, right? Well, that's true. They don't so have if you're if you're range. saying, uh, let's say, you know, we're in the South China Sea, there's got to be some kind of acceptable buffer, right? Or well, midair refueling. If these things are launching from even with the with the the base missile, five hundred miles away, that's a lot of fuel for that jet to get there. It right? is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I would I would imagine they'd have some kind of potential escort to it. Yeah, you'd have to. You'd think. But I mean, how how much are you going to send fighters after supply planes? Because you don't know what they are until they release, right? Right. You're Unless like, oh. it's a planned mission with fighter escort. Right. It's like, oh, let's okay. send this squadron five hundred miles away where they're going to run out of fuel to attack yeah. this plane that may be carrying MREs. Yeah. So good. that's a pretty good deception. Good call. Like, 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Are we carrying MREs? Are we carrying twenty-seven cruise missiles? About to bust your ass. Holy shit! That's right. Right. That's way cool, man. That's very good. I didn't even think about the fact that they're not going to know what the hell it is. It's just a car. They won't know, right? It's just a plane flying out yeah. there. So. And they can't expend assets to go after no. every cargo plane. No. Right? no. So That's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Rapid um, Dragon. Rapid Dragon. Like uh, you got to say it angry. Rapid Dragon. Launch <laughs> Rapid Dragon. I like it, man. So look at all these tech advances in space in the Air Force, right? Those are pretty cool, uh, pretty cool stories we've already had. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is—I mean, that's that's the kind of shit that makes you like, oh yeah, I'm glad I'm American. Look at this shit. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to get fucking on the other end receiving it. This thing. No man. kidding, man. You got Ooh. 27 cruise missiles coming at you. There you no. go. But then, an article like the next one comes out. Like this next one comes. Say it isn't so. <laughs> that brings you back to Earth. So, <laughs> from airandspaceforces.com. Oh, boy. The Air Force is revamping zero week at basic training to better prepare recruits for stress. <laughs> mm. I said Air Force, not Space Force, mm. so we can both be disappointed. In yeah, I mean... The whole idea is to break a, a person down to make him capable Art. of being part of a team correct. and build him up to something more important than himself. That's correct. But we don't mm -hmm. want to scare these uh, fragile deer away. <laughs> so we got to coax them in. Come on. Fragile deer. Come we won't yell at you. Shh, shh, shh. Come on. Just come on. <laughs> You've got like what candy? Here's a peppermint. Come on, it's a peppermint. Here's a recruiting ribbon. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I met my quota. I brought in four new recruits. Oh, crazy! All right, so when Air and Air Force and Space Force recruits arrived at Joint Base San Antonio Lackland, Texas, this week for the first five days of basic military training. It will be different compared to what previous generations went through. The 37th training wing is changing those first five days known as zero week to educate trainees on human performance factors, such as sleep hygiene. What? I don't even know what sleep hygiene is. What? Stress management and nutrition alongside the classic features like basic drill, physical training, and keeping the recruit living area tidy. Officials hope to redesign will better prepare enlisted airmen and guardians for the rigors of life in service. Sleep hygiene, Eric. Did you ever get trained on sleep hygiene? No. It was called lack of sleep. It's like, <laughs> don't scratch in your sleep. I think that was what it was for sleep hygiene. You know, by the way, sleep under your bunk so you don't mess the bed up. For Christ. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, right? that's a good point, right? You're right, because that takes some goddamn up. long to make it right. Fix it, yes. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Cassidy, Director of Human Performance for the 37th Training Wing, uh, said, quote, resilience results from combining problem-solving skills with the lifestyle habits that power them. So previously, these problem-solving skills uh, were distributed across the seven and a half, seven and a half weeks of basic or BMT 
Right. But the new zero week is designed to front load them so that trainees have a stronger foundation of stress resilience to build on. Okay. I I don't understand <laughs> that. So you're going to get off the bus. They're going to line you up nicely. They're going to march you in their classroom. Politely. And say, ladies and gentlemen, we want to educate you on what the next seven weeks are going to look like. That's right. And we don't want you to feel stressed about it because we're preparing you now to be able to accept us screaming and hollering at you and breaking you down. No screaming and hollering. Oh, that's but, right. I have to talk calmly to you. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I have to it. talk calmly to your dumbass. So <laughs> does the rigors of an actual combat environment where people will not talk nice to you who are trying to actually kill you? We're not going to try, but they're up. trying to do it politely. So you know, the, the days of your mm -hmm. war face; those days are gone. Right? <laughs> Show me your war face. Let's have your, let's have your <laughs> negotiating face, right? Uh, or maybe this scares your, me even more. Doesn't uh, you? Uh, yes, of course it does. Someone that can't because even deal with the rigors and stress of basic training can't go to war. And certainly comprehend the kind of stress and rigors of of violence that they're going to yes. face. Yes, I agree. They and took that whole equation out. I hate that they're doing this, and that that the brain trust up there is like, well, we're below recruiting numbers because we're too hard on them during zero week. Uh, yeah. Where are I'm, you getting your stats from? There's nobody. There's not like these massive dropouts during zero week. No, it's three or four weeks. After there might be. Minutes. There might be less people joining the military because it's so soft now. I bet they haven't even yeah. looked at that side of it. Uh, why I would bet. I go? I can. Yeah. Do why that. would I go? They're just a bunch. Of, they're yeah. Just a bunch of whips. There, right? <laughs> and I got to watch what I say, or I might get court martial. Right. You know, I can't call this guy that, or anything like that. It's like. I don't understand the whole idea behind joining the military is to prepare you I know. for possible defense of your country, which of means country. that conflict cost you your life conflict. So right. a little bit of stress in your life, by the way, it's not even personal stress. We're just yelling to be yelling. I would think you would want, uh, if your life is on the line. Yes. You should know the importance of whatever it is you're getting learned or trained or whatever. Absolutely. Because it could cost you or somebody next to you your life. Absolutely. And they've removed that whole equation from the the, the question. And the idea of, well, we're low on recruiting. you got to be nicer. And it's Just, like, no, you're missing the point. Anyway, let me finish this thing. All right. I'm the sorry. New zero week. The new zero week should help better prepare trainees for physical training as well. A beta test last December. Now, now get ready with your bullshit coming. <laughs> a beta test last December found a noticeable decrease in injuries. Okay, I'm with that. And a notable noticeable increase in PT pass rates, said Colonel Lauren uh, Corkchain or Corkane. Commander of the 37th Training Wing. Though exact numbers were not immediately available. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. She estimated. She estimated 
it brought the number of PT failures for the test squadron from the low double digits down to zero. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Total. Unless, unless they're just like, okay, we won't count that one. You come back tomorrow, we'll try again. How does one relate or transfer to the other is what I'd like to know. Yeah, we're, right. we're talking the first zero week. We make you feel better about being able to run and do a PT And test? I had no PT failures. Look at that. Uh, yeah, this is... Yeah, this I is. I don't buy that. I don't this buy that. This is very that. strange. Right. Very strange. Though there could be stressful events throughout the new BMT, the 37th wants to de-stress the first week, partly by shouting less at trainees as they pick up the basics of drill PT and keeping their living areas clean. Instructors will still be able to raise their voice if they need to. Unbelievable. But the, thir- but the 37th is trying to build up recruits more gradually. I... Now, now, hold on. Other services are on a similar track. In 2022, the Army stopped greeting infantry recruits with a, quote-unquote, shark attack of unintelligible screaming and replaced it with a tough, physical exercise meant to instill trust in drill sergeants rather than fear. They didn't describe what it was. <laughs> no. Right? But I guess it's not step off the bus, get your toes on a yellow line anymore. I guess there's not. There's like, if you guys feel like it, when you wake up, could you come off the bus? And then there's a yellow line, but that's just a suggestion. Please, please, please just feel free to stand there. Maybe just put one of your feet on the yellow line. That's all we ask. We don't need both feet. I don't know, man. All right. Now listen to the senior enlisted leader for Lackland 737 training group, Chief Master Sergeant Daniel Anderson. Tell me, Chief. We want the instructors to be able to push them to a point where there's an elevated state of awareness so that they are receiving the information. And if they do not conform with the expectation, then the military training instructors will absolutely, absolutely hold them accountable to include raising their voices and speaking with them in command voice, command voice. Uh, But Chief Anderson pushed back on the notion that new recruits require different training because they are less mentally tough than their forebears. I disagree. Chief said, I would not say that the generation that we're receiving into our ranks now is not as tough, uh, whether mentally or physically or whatever. I would argue that they are different. They didn't grow up outside throwing rocks uh, at the neighbor kids. Come on. They are digital natives. <laughs> they think differently. They respond to stressors differently. And their approach to be able to effectively train them must be different. Because it will be something different that is expected from them during their time of service. Let me see. One, two, three, four. He said different four times in that two sentences. Because <laughs> he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about either. Oh, he's a chief. Let he's me ask got... you something. How does, <clears throat> how do you envision future levels of post-traumatic stress disorder rising as high as they're going to be? Because every that's one of these point. kids yeah, that's a good point. can't handle yeah. zero week. And oh my God, the first minute of adversity it's going to transfer to anxiety and stress. I boom that I I have never had a bullet shot at me. You have. Was that a sobering thing or what? Absolutely. I mean, my God, right? Totally sobering. 
I mean, holy cow. And, all, and what are these guys going to be? I was like, oh, that sounds like uh, Medal of Honor or one of my video games. And they're like, get down, you idiot. Right. That's that, And that's, or it transitions to immediate. I can't handle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. My role. I can't do this. They'll this be like, I can't. Me. I can't with this combat stuff. I can't. I can't. Right. right? I, I want to go home. Send yeah. me home now. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I brought that up uh, earlier. It's like, I bet even before that point, you're going to get a an inordinate number of uh, conscientious objectors. Agreed. Right? And they're going to be like, uh, I don't believe in war. You no, know? I'm not going to go. So. Uh, there are a lot of, and, and we've spoken about it, especially on the recruitment side of it and retention. But man, if if there is a future conflict, and of course, there's going to be, right? It's in our, it's in our right. blood, it's in our yeah. DNA. Well, it's I'm, in the military-industrial complex that will guarantee us a fortune, uh, sure, a future conflict. Sure, right? I, I am very scared of what we're going to present to defend this country. I think, I think, um, and I don't want to sell them short. I agree with you, but I think the majority of people who are joining still have the same virtues that we do. Right? And I hope so. Yeah, now they I, I might get so. the the problem is they might get too frustrated with the soft nature of the military and might not last past their first enlistment. Yeah, that's what that's what I really see. Seeing because there'll be guys who are Amer, you know, they're patriots. They want to do their part. Get it. They're going to come in and they're going to go. This was too hard. You know, I've got to watch what I say. I've got to be. You know, I can't yell at anybody. Yeah. Uh, I can't get mad. I can't, uh, you know, I've, I've been brought up on sexual charges. Yeah. Right. And they were like, this is for the birds. I'm not, I, you know, first time I'm out. I can see that, especially on the gung ho guy side that still have, or gals who go, I am here to defend the country. You guys won't allow me. Right. You're, you're tying my right. hand. It right. literally sounds like we're tying our hands already. Great point. Yeah. That's a great point. Absolutely. So, and that's yeah. what they're going to get. That's what they're going to get frustrated with. There's yeah. going to be a handful that go, why do I want to go in the army where, you know, uh, the policies are not one, I'm not in line with, you know, morally. Yeah. Uh, and two, uh, I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. You know, who wants to get court martialed and get a dishonorable, yeah. uh, the, the free house, right. Is not yeah. worth that. The education is not worth that. Um, or you're going to say, I mean, how many stories I've seen more stories since we've been doing this podcast about, Oh yeah, this caused cancer. Sorry about that guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. This, this water had fuel in it. Sorry about that. Your barracks had the white mold foam, it, mold. Right? VA, yeah. there are VA patients dying because they can't get an appointment. Yeah. Why would I want to join this organization? It's right? terrible. Got it. it. It really, it's disheartening. Yeah, it is. We, on this, right. on this level. It I really agree. is. I agree. Well, let's get to our last story. Cause this will make you <laughs> worse. <laughs> this will make you worse, right? I, uh, I, so, I, I, you know what? I want to come back. I want to, I want to do a, a, a refire on this zero week. A couple oh, well, months. Let's, down let's, the road. Let's, Oh, okay. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd that like would be nice to hear how it how it went. See right? how the performance is going. I'd really yeah, like that's to good. Know. That's a good point. 
So we'll follow up on the tactical bra and we'll follow up on the uh, the zero yeah, week. week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So top it off, our last story. Last story comes from Buckley Space Force Base. Right. Mm. It's a policy guidance that was just released. You know what the subject is? <sighs> it's the idling policy for government vehicles. <laughs> I have spent a significant amount of my military career sitting in vehicles idling. Right? I have. I mean, uh, we I all have. have, but I yes. have, right? We sit in uh, cop cars and freaking idle just to stay I'll warm. Tell you, I mean, right? that Humvee diesel engine would idle forever. Ever. Yes. Especially when it was cold. Holy <laughs> shit, right? God. All right. So let me read you this thing because you'll get, you'll get a kick out of it. Well, you won't get a kick out of it, but we'll get a kick out of it together. <laughs> Paragraph one, the Air Force continues to make efforts to reduce its impact on the environment. Oh, boy. This has forced us to examine common practices that may impede the effort to reduce our carbon footprint within our local community. <laughs> Prolonged idling of vehicles increases harmful chemical emissions into the ozone and contributes to the risk of health problems associated with toxic air pollutants. Now, listen to this next sentence. Get your bullshit ready. <laughs> idling one vehicle for five minutes a day can emit 260 pounds of carbon dioxide into our atmosphere a year. That's saying you're going to idle the vehicle five minutes a day for 365 days. Yeah, that's it's bullshit. 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 Therefore, all personnel will adhere to the following idling policy while operating a government vehicle, whether on or off Buckley Space Force Base. A, or 2A, the ambient outside air temperature has been less than 32 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> for each hour of the previous 24 hour period. So what time, what, you know, let's say it's, uh, <clears throat> it's four in the afternoon. It's, it's 32 degrees now, right? You have to go back 24 hours and make sure every hour was less than 32 degrees. How are you going to enforce that? I, my silence is because I have no response to this. I, I am, Totally lost for words. Oh, that hold on. Hold on. Let me get through oh. the, uh, the other requirements. The latest hourly ambient outside air temperature is less than 20 degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold. That's it's very cold. cold. But it has to be that cold for the last hour. <laughs> the wind chill index and flag colors are yellow and red. Have you ever seen a wind chill yellow and red flag? I've only seen yeah. that for heat. I've exactly. never seen that for windshield. I've never seen it for windshield. But maybe they have it in Alaska. Maybe they have it in Thule. So I don't want to say it's not. But maybe they do. I've never heard of it. Uh, uh, or or the heat category flag color is red or black. So I guess you can't idle it to run the air conditioner either. Uh, when uh, op uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I don't know what to say, man. I, I don't either. Furthermore, diesel engines should not be exposed to prolonged idling due to possible engine emission control device damage. Engine or system damage caused by excessive idling will be considered vehicle abuse, and using organizations can help be held liable for engine repair and or replacement. 
So you're going to get a reporter survey. You like you damaged that engine. Now you owe us for that engine. Yeah. We're going to take it from your money. So let's take that guy who just went through the revamp zero week with no yelling, sit him in that vehicle. He (laughs) idled it for too long. And now he's got a $3,500 engine. He's got to pay for Oh yeah. He's going to stay around. isn't he? You think he's going to react to that news? Well, (laughs) no, (laughs) no, he's not. God, my God. God. I, you know what that it almost says, instead of getting them fueled vehicle, go all electric for the military. Oh God, that's going to be awful. You see what I'm saying now? Yeah. Because I I mean, this is, this is the whole green deal, vacant less, but Again, I'm lost for words here. I, I know. If I you mean, have somebody on the flight line in below freezing weather right. and the vehicle is his only escape, but you're not going to let him leave because he has a mission. Because, it, because it hasn't been 32 degrees for 24 hours. Oh, I, on, I just man. like to see the guy try to go and force that, right? Right. So you got some E7 knocking on the door and he's like, hey, you know what? It's only been 32 degrees for eight hours. Shut this vehicle off. Turn it off. Yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, your guy gets frostbite. He's freezing. uh, And then he goes, okay, I've got post-traumatic stress from sitting here in the cold. Let me out. This guy wouldn't let me get warmed up. Uh, Yeah. Because uh, I'm emitting too much CO2. There are so many dumb things that we could talk about that, that come just from this policy. It sure makes you want to sign up, though, doesn't it? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> I'm telling you what. Well, Wouldn't it be interesting? I, I would love to hear it from not just you and I as vets, veterans, or, you know, I, I'd love to, to sit down with, I don't know, 200 and talk about this policy and see the reaction. I, How I, many would go, oh, we love it. We think it's a great You idea. know, if, if, if we sat down with those guys... They would probably say, you're the first one who has ever asked us the question if these policies are any good. Uh, well, that's a good point, too. Yeah. Who, what leadership's going to do that? What chief, what no. sergeant major no. is going to go down and point. go, hey, uh, what do you think of these policies? Good point. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm lost for words on this one. This one really... I know. That's why, that's why I, maybe I should have done the reverse order because I pumped you up. Yes. Red dragon. And then I drug you back down. (laughs) I I am definitely lost for words. You know what? I I told you about the new um, security force woman that graduates October 10th. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear her experience in one of your interviews, future interviews with her from basic training in her text. Did you talk to her? Yeah, I've talked to her. I've texted her. I wanted to make sure. Her I mean, you got you, you got me interviewing a general because he is. So that's yeah. great, man. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be awesome. We, we definitely, you I'd know, love I'm, to hear her experience. And maybe we don't interview her. Maybe we bring her on the podcast. Even better. I think and that'd let be let her awesome. respond to some of these things. That'd be great. Now, man. I guess we'd probably have to be careful because she's active duty, right? Actually, she, actually, I would rather, I would rather bring her on a podcast and not react to uh, some of these stories. But let us ask her questions. Yeah, all right. and not and not criticize. What yeah, she not get her in, not get her. In yeah, because she made it. Yeah. She did. She right. did what was required. Yeah, but it would be more informative for us. Yeah, you know what I mean. 
I would love to hear her experience of basic. Yeah, that'd be fun. School. That'd be fun. So recent. Yeah. All right, Eric. Now that I pissed you off, uh, I think uh, I I think we're rounds complete, and I think we better end up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go still Humvee and rattle that thing, man. <laughs> Bruise well, it. Well, you, get, it you could go get the the German drunk guy. He's a master at stealing Humvees. So you right. guys could go idle together and drink. I mean, literally, cops idle uh, their vehicles. I've sat in routinely. I sat in 113s. I've sat in 577s. Yes. I've sat in Humvees. Yes. Uh, hell, even deuces. Deuce and ass, man. Yes. Just keep that thing. It's too cold. Keep that yes. thing idling, right? Yes. But they're diesel. I, right? They idle uh, forever. I, I but apparently, I was responsible for global warming. So I apologize. I apologize. Aren't you curious as to, well, we, we'll never know. What the impact no. is that Buckley Air Force Base alone, Buckley Space Force right. Base is having alone on that, you know, carbon monoxide and carbon and all that crap. And, and you mean what Buckley Air Force Base is putting into the atmosphere compared to the coal plant a day that China's doing over there? Uh, yeah, right. Or, or With India, their 20 lanes or, of vehicles. Yeah, right, they're you just know? like... F it. We're putting out. We're, yes. We got a coal plant, man. And We're India, doing it. India is the same way. India is the not same going to bring way. the world into line with this thing, it's never going to work. I know, but but uh, maybe <clears throat> Buckley will offset. Uh, <laughs> okay. We did our part. We got one base. <laughs> oh, it's disturbing, man. On behalf of Eric and I, I'd like to thank you for listening today. Please like, share, subscribe, let us know how we did in the comments. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more service headline news. I still think we should do that together. Where'd you go? Service headline news. There you go. Uh, Eric, thanks, man. Thanks for the week. Uh, Yes, sir. Screw you, Jake. And I'll see you next week. Good stories this week, man. It was hard to deal with the last one. I know. I hope. I hope Jake stews in his own. You know what? Uh, not being here to make some comment against you. So. Yeah, I'm sure he'd uh, he'd enjoy this. Too. And just between you and me, I'm always against those comments because I'm a big supporter. Of oh, thank you. it's all good. I have such thick skin. No problem. <laughs> you are a cop. That's right. I have faced a lot more. <laughs> thanks, Eric. Uh, thanks right, for buddy. listening. We'll see you next week. You guys, buddy, have a good one.